This episode of The Interchange is made possible by Absa and Timu. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Interchange. We are coming to you live from Cliff Central Studios in the heart of Johannesburg. I am your host, Busim Kumbuzi. Now, education has two faces in today's world. On one hand, there's the traditional face where learning takes place in the classroom. On the other hand, there are private initiatives in which online education is being used in a creative and challenging way to provide competitive first-class education. Research suggests that traditional education has seen its heyday and can no longer survive the changes in today's world. In fact, some analysts are predicting that there's going to be a massive closure of colleges by 2040 as the quality of the online market grows. But who is helped and who is harmed by online schooling? Let's have the debate. In studio with me to debate the motion, this house believes that the tertiary education system should lean more towards online learning than campus-based learning. We have Neo Maswewu, who is an honors in philosophy student, the queer open champion, and a huge SNL fan. We also have Webster Morrison, a one-day leader season six finalist, a world's quarter finalist, and a queer activist. And then I have Achisang Sibanda, who is an education student, debater, and writer, Dinon Rovu, who is an independent political researcher and struggling video vixen, in case anyone out there <laughs> has opportunities for music videos. And finally, our expert for today's episode is Ansuya Rangasami, who is an academic who is currently pursuing her PhD in mechanical engineering. She is also the SA debate team head coach. Hello, everyone. Hey. Now, Suya, um, you know, I'm going to start with you and I want to know from your side, um, you know, what you think of the notion that technology is underutilized in the education sector, specifically as far as online learning is concerned. I think that there's a spectrum, basically, mm. of people that are using uh, online learning and people that aren't using online learning. And so basically our industry is changing in a way that education kind of needs to meet mm. and some institutions are pursuing online learning so there's a number of like big name universities that are putting out uh like easily accessible courses that lots of people can do um and they study it for both degree and non-degree purposes but there's also private institutions that are coming in to say you know you can learn x thing with um with an expert on this. And so it's really changing the landscape of education because you can learn from multiple different institutions mm. and you can also learn a lot of different skills that wouldn't necessarily be in your core. Mm. Having said that, a lot of, like, especially with the undergraduate degrees, a lot of those degrees aren't necessarily that, uh, sort of technologically driven. Mm -hmm. um, so they're still quite, I mean, while you can get some course materials online, the majority of it is still lecture halls. It's still, you know, on paper tests. And so, some universities are adopting that more and more. And I think as the industry changes, it's a question of which institutions will mm. adopt it and how they'll actually roll this out. Because mm. there's a lot of different ways uh, to compensate for things like in-person teaching mm. um, to communicate the skills accurately. Because mm. you can't necessarily learn everything you need to from like slides, for example. Mm. So how people communicate mm. uh, that information well is really important mm. and It'll be interesting to see how they do that going mm. forward. Mm. And as an academic yourself, I mean, you've been in the in, in academia for such a long time, coming to a point where you're pursuing long time. A, a PhD. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, do you think technology can replace the classroom? 
honestly, to a large degree, yes. Um, it it does depend. I mean, not to give the answer to the debate, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but it depends on the field, I suppose, yeah. is the the critical aspect of it. Certainly in, and I, I think this occurs in postgraduate as well. So in the research uh, level that I'm at, technology is pretty extensive. Mm. And your ability to code, your ability to use sort of simulation-based programs mm. really matters. Mm. Um, and so I think it will certainly be very important in a lot of science-based degrees. Mm. Um but the degrees where interpersonal relationships matter, I think, and where you're trying to communicate that mm. in a way that's less sort of measurable, predictable, mm. repeatable, mm. that will be the realm that's very hard to capture. Mm. So mm. Uh, it very much depends on what skills you're trying to communicate, mm. I think. Cool. The burden, I guess, is going to be on our debaters to to persuade us and convince us. I mean, a lot of people listening to the podcast are varsity students, um, you know, and are also asking themselves these questions. So let's get into it. But before then, here are the rules. We're using the British parliamentary format. We've got four speakers, two on each side. The first two are proposition and the last two are opposition. In terms of our speaking order, our proposition speaker one is going to speak first and our opposition speaker two will speak last. Each speaker has four minutes. The first and the last minute are protected, but in between then, points of information can be asked by each, well, the opposing team. Are we ready to get into our debate? Yes. Cool. Neo, take it off. Okay. The tipping scales of reality, unfortunately, suggest that traditional forms of education are no longer relevant. We are not saying in this debate that traditionalist approaches to education are necess- should be necessarily destroyed, but that an aggressive prioritization of technology is imperative, not only for universities to remain relevant, but for university students themselves to aggregate the skills that they have in a way that f- actually coincides with the way in which they approach the world. Understand that people that were born after 1996, Gen I or iGen, whichever way you want to look at it, are more adept to the, ad- to the application of technology. This means that their general approach to how they want to understand the world is far better and more efficiently done if they interrogate it through the use of technology. Mm. The reason why you have a throughput rate of students dropping out than ever before is because the traditionalist form of education of students having to understand very mundane content through a paternalistic approach of attending a classroom is because of the fact that it's irrelevant. It doesn't resonate with them. So the integration of technology is very important. Three things that we want to show to you. In a country like South Africa, where the majority of students are black and poor, we think that most of that money would rather be diverted towards things like data costs and not transportation. We understand that the rebuttal that might come from that side of the house is that being in a university is far better because data costs or access is important. But realize that this actually prioritizes access for a couple of things. One, you're actively dealing with things like inequalities because students can actually attend universities without the specter of worrying what is the future consequence of them actually having to prioritize things like transport and we think that in any case any country or any state that has an imperative to prior to to provide for its people will provide something like a rebate for these students to attend but that's the first one the second thing especially is the idea of optimization and it goes back to the context that we've already given you currently speaking we have a very old system that insists that students
students need to attend university for the sake of actually incurring knowledge that they do not necessarily interrogate with in the future in future term. What does a technologically driven t- uh, space for education look like? One, we tell you that it's optimized because students deal with technology much more sophisticated way, so they become much more adept, and it coincides with a lot of aspirations that universities yeah. like Johannesburg have. The University of Johannesburg, when they speak about the fourth industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution is not necessarily a role in which you do it after you're done with university. It needs to become an action-based approach. And unfortunately, universities are lagging behind in that. I'll take Akhisang. Speaker, how do you tangibly say that inequality is lessened when you still need to get technological apparatus to the poor? The problem with that point of information is that they assume that the marginal scales of, in, of, of cost when you actually look at students going to technical versus traditional universities and with technologies the same. If you have a cell phone and you have data costs, you actually marginally decrease the amount One of cost that students left. have there because the only thing that they have to worry about is their education system. We think fundamentally the pedagogy is going to be transformed because not only do those students interrogate with the curriculum in a way that is tailored towards their desires because they approach it in a way that is much more tailor-specific to them. But more importantly, universities don't just become places of hollowed lecture halls. They become places of integration and and, and innovation, right? That's why we need to have more innovation centers at universities and less lecturers telling us what we need to study. Technology can already do that. Optimize the future so that you can have students that are adept to the imperative of the future. Thank you so much for that speech, Neo. I'm now going to hand over to Akhisang to deliver the opposition speech. Online learning rather than campus learning can replace uh, online learning can replace traditional means and that as a teacher scares me because it creates the picture that the the only thing that's important is the garnering of information and it specifically ignores skills that are important specifically in a world that is geared to to technology and specifically in a world that needs people to have much more softer skills than just me being able to operate something. We think that the picture that they paint uh, uh, on their side is a context in which people prefer not to be, uh, uh, not to like interpersonally relate to people, not to be physically there. So we don't really understand the context that they paint of people actually being on campuses and interacting when their apparatus specifically says that uh, specifically is geared to more online work. But more so, we think that the way up that they run of saying that we're not eliminating traditional costs is like uh, traditional like methods isn't necessarily true to the context that they run because if they say that they're going to aggressively run online on uh, online services of up. education they're they're eliminating a lot of the more important traditional skills which we will discuss so the first argument that we need to run in this debate is that uh, uh, it creates an ineffective system of education and bec- uh, and what we are, ought to understand about online apparatus and online material is that it's learning and teaching support material what that means is that it aids the process of learning but isn't necessarily the process of learning itself what do we think the process of learning in- entails is specifically of like face to face interactions which with trained individuals who can understand and spot context specific problems 
problems with, which you have with with, with specific uh, with specific course material. Speaker. We think we think that in situations where you have someone who can spot a specific problem with you, uh, 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 in situations where it's face to face, it's much more optimal. It's a much more optimal learning process. But secondly, we'd say that the uh, like, uh, the, but secondly, we say that the extent to which like an online uh, mechanism of learning is something that uh, is something that's specifically limited because uh, because uh, in as much as AI can grow the amount of like human uh, the amount of human connection that it can have with whoever it, whoever point, it's happening point, who, with whomever it, they're interacting with is limited but uh, but thirdly we think that it limits uh, uh, the capacity but, uh, but the second argument that we run is that it limits the capacity for like social and professional networking and exchange of ideas to happen in, mm. in universities in the first place <laughs> because universities aren't just learning spaces they're also spaces where you can create social and political yeah, movements yeah. Mm. they're also uh, they're also contexts in which you can like form partnerships that will take you one minute left that, uh, that, so. will, that will create businesses and uh, that will create businesses and careers for you in the future we think that in situations where you limit the ability for people to interact you limit the ability for other benefits that universities bring to be accrued but lastly you limit like interpersonal relations to happen specifically in a world where where we want to be socially progressive and accommodate for people on like a uh, uh, but also create a world that isn't uh, solely based on technology the, the, and those interpersonal relations limit that uh, those lack of interpersonal relations limit that from happening if we want a system that can work to accommodate uh, uh, technology let's accommodate technology by introducing hybrid learning as opposed to a complete aggressive uh, a removal of of traditional means that are important and that do extend beyond the benefits of just accruing information. Cool. Webster, you've been burning. Woo! Go. Panel, it's important to understand that the fourth industrial revolution has arrived and it's not going anywhere. I think it's an incredibly lazy argument to make when you say that you value things like personal interaction and you don't even engage Neo's um, qualitative argument on like the idea of um, uh, we still value things like interpersonal relationships. We just think that needs there needs to be an aggressive type of um, prioritization on online type of uh, t- online based um 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 um. um Teaching. We think that firstly, you don't tell us why there needs to be, we, we need to, in context of South Africa specifically, we need to value things that, that that type of process of learning that's quite traditionalistic. But also, why I say it's lazy, um, Busi, is basically because I, I just think that uh, it's lazy for you to say that people should not progress because you value things like personal uh, personal interactions. We think that, that that type of progression ought to be valued. And even when we do make a very great comparative as to we still value things like um, we still under our model, we still value things like mental health and interpersonal interaction. We just don't think that um, um, individuals are are, 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 are st- static and stagnant. Not not now. What we tell you here from opening government specifically is that we think that there's an evolution in creating an ideal pedagogy. We think that in creating that pedagogy and also speaking from experience as a teacher, I don't think that there's any way that AI or mechanization can change teaching so much that you lose that personal interaction because we think that there's a, there's a yeah, great yeah. distinction Webster. between what mechanization and AI can do and what teachers bring to the table. Those are two different things. Secondly here, we tell you in terms of access and inequality, Neo already tells you that 
because of the historical context of black people specifically, we think that it is very, very, very abhorrent for you to say that you don't want black people to progress at the point where um, 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 they can't specific they they can't access personal relationships. But we think that here, what we tell you is it unlocks better opportunities for black people. One, because it becomes a sharing environment. Because as black people, Busi, we are not just individuals that go to school. More often than not, we can't go to school because we need to cook and look after people at Mm. home. We tell you that at the point where online um, ideas and online things exist, we tell you at that point in time, you can access it under, under, under what you, um, under, under your own self-determined education and when you want and when you can. We think as black people, that's quite important and he doesn't talk to that. But secondly, to secondary to this, we tell you that this is just a rigid and structured paternalistic way of 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 of, of 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 not wanting to reconstruct curriculum and what it means. And University of Johannesburg is just a great example of this when they tell you that they want to reimagine the future yeah, yeah. and reimagine um um curriculum. We tell you at that point in time, ladies and gentlemen, what we do here as institutions, we emancipate people, but moreover, we rethink wh- what curriculum ought to be firstly, the- but also how individuals are are supposed to interact with curriculum because when you have a traditional way of learning, a traditional way of um, consuming um, 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 education, what happens then ladies and gentlemen is individuals do not have the ability to interact with schools like MIT or schools like Stanford that already lead the conversation in terms of the fourth industrial revolution. We tell you that when you do value something like the fourth industrial revolution, when you do value something like the progression of black people and where black people are specifically now, we tell you the only way you can do this is by allowing black people to actively participate in space like online learning because what traditional learning does is just keep black people in their place where uh, things like capitalism wants them to be. Thank you. Uh -uh. Thank you so much for that speech. Dino, I'm going to hand over to you to close the opposition case but also to close this debate in general. All right. Um, I think the discussion that's been occurring is one that is very interesting. But I think we ought to interrogate a couple of ideas. Firstly, the reason why we are here having this debate in person and we attend nationals and worlds and not text or debate online is because the value of interaction and human engagement and how that like expands what human interaction and education ought to be. We think um, all the things they talk about, about how if you do not have access to money, you can stay at home and learn, can still exist on our side of the house. You can read slides and stuff like that. But we also value the ability of people to escape the problems that yeah, Webster yeah. talks about, that if people at home know I'm on campus from 8 till 5, they don't disturb me. Instead of being at home and cooking and cleaning, I escape from my problems. I get to explore my identity, my sexuality, my feminism ideas I get to explore other people I get to explore things that make me free In a context that is safe Universities offer spaces that are safer Than most of the spaces that exist in society in general Spaces that you can't find in Soweto Spaces that you can't find in Kukuletu These campuses can empower these students To engage the world in a modern context that is better for these students than the context of actually studying from home. Secondly, we get this idea about inequality and affordability. I think um, an interesting con- uh, context of this conversation on affordability was something that already was offered by university students on campus. We got things like fees must fall because of how students were trying to make you campuses know? as affordable as possible for them to attend. We think those sort of movements one, only existed because people were on campus together and the friction of ideas led to this particular movement and you don't get that when people are studying at home mostly. Secondly, we think if the idea of fees being um, free for people to attend, we can still engage that idea on... Um 
inaccessibility and affordability and stuff like that. We can make um, education more affordable through um, such mechanisms and we can like, okay, I'll take you. Dino, so that argument only stands at a point where people actually prioritize those things because at a working class university like the University of Johannesburg, students just don't want to take part in fees must fall because they need to get that degree in order to go home. Um, it's th- Those things but just don't make you, sense. I think you, you missed the argument. The argument is not that fees must fall is why people should go to university. The argument is people being on campus lead yeah, to things like yeah. fees must fall because you have friction with other ideas and those sort of things are extremely important. Secondly, my partner spoke about why interaction on campus is important. The problem that faces a lot of black graduates now is one, networking, right? You don't get that from studying at home. Two, um, like engaging with other people working on projects. We think you, you get better. The reason why people from um, Harvard, people from Duke University, people from yeah, um, yeah. UCT make it more in life is because of old boys and girls schools association, which don't shame. exist when you learn from home, right? We think the idea of interacting ideas when someone is interpersonally standing in front of you on campus and leads a discussion is way One more different than point. engaging ideas out of order than engaging ideas from home when you're reading notes and just sending your professor an email. We think the idea of interaction, conversation and leading conversations to things that can make students better only exist on our side of the house. We no. think technology ought to be embraced, but embracing technology is not a synonym for the exclusion of interpersonal lecturing and the exclusion of interpersonal learning. We think we ought to prioritize students engaging on campus, even if we create space for them to engage online. We think that the prioritization of interpersonal conversation, the prioritization of personal lecturing from professors, the prioritization of campus spaces where people access it more often allows for the education of the black child more. Or proud to oppose. Thank you so much for that, Dino. I think uh, very interesting debate on both sides. The contentions also just so far away from what I, ima- I imagined a uh, you know a, s- a standard debate on this issue um, w- would discuss. Ansuya, what did you think about this debate? Yeah, really interesting debate. Similarly, um, I think the issues that come up are uh, different, new, and interesting, which mm. is cool. Um, and the discussion about the network and how the information actually goes through Mm. is is really important. I think kind of linked to this, there is an ability to potentially add Mm. technology-driven education, but the core question is whether or not it's a good thing or how is it actually going to change uh, the scope of education, Mm. what are you going to gain and what are you going to lose? And I think that uh, the debate investigated that really well. Mm. I mean, I I think an interesting thing that I I thought was going to come up, particularly from um, opposition side, and I'd just like to know what they think about this, because, I mean, four minutes is not enough time to tell us everything that you think about. (laughs) You know, the brand identity of a university. uh, I think about the intro Ansuya made in the beginning when she spoke about how, you know, if we went completely online, for example, you could get a degree that has components from multiple universities. But if I'm Harvard or if I'm University of Cape Town, you know, does my brand matter? Does the fact that I, I, I want a specific process to be followed um, for you to say I have a UCT degree, does that matter? So I thought um, that was something I had prepared for the debate, but mm. then I had to change because of the context and how the debate the occurred debate said, about yeah. how institutions like um, Harvard can still teach online. I think that's what these guys were talking about. Mm. Um, I thought initially it was going to be a conversation about traditional universities like UJ Vets versus um, things like UNISA where people learn online. Mm. Mm. But then because of how the paradigm of the debate changed, I think we also had to adjust. But I think in terms of inter 
we're getting that idea. When you look at what universities prioritize in terms of like university rankings, things like one, academic reputation, two, citations, three, students, faculties, which are very important in terms of like university ranking for international um, uh, facilities mm. and students and stuff like that, they contribute to university rankings. Out of the top 200 universities in the world, there's no online university because they do not offer um, faculty mm. interaction. They do not offer um, like research facilities where people can get to attend on a daily basis. So even if they create access, a lot mm. of employers, a lot of stakeholders don't necessarily trust these institutions. So even if these black people have access to universities, they're often less likely to be employed because employment plays a huge role mm. in um, university rankings, how many people are actually absorbed into the market. Mm. And I think also the motion slightly um, limited us to diagnosing the problem mm. with like problem solution here. I've got a friend of mine who's studying at Harvard. Um, what they do is um, at Harvard, um, companies bring problems to a class to like, um, mm. say, the commercials class. And those students come up with different presentations on how to solve those particular things, right? We don't necessarily have that where real problems that exist in the market are brought to students to debate and engage and solve. We have a learning faculty that's based on knowledge retention and not necessarily encouraging students to release four or five papers a semester for professors to release papers every semester to expand knowledge. Mm. And I think that problem is already being solved by on-campus universities globally and it's something that we ought to embrace and mm. not treat universities like a money-making facility where people come and learn things that can be absorbed into other degrees but also learn things that can also allow themselves to be absorbed mm. into the market. Mm. I mean, Webster, I'm going to allow you to to respond to that, but I think a question that you know I, I have for you guys and that, that was burning me as as you were presenting your speeches is this image of you know this girl that you that you give in your speech so powerfully. But I look at some of the research and it shows that um, there's evidence that online students perform substantially worse than students who you know um, have a face to face course. And the odds are even worse when, um, you know, you're an adult who has a job, competing interests, um, and, and only engaging in online education because you're hoping that you're going to get your degree within this, con within this world where you have a contending set of things to do. And, and so, you know, looking at statistics like that and taking them into account, how does that affect the argument that you made? You know, Busi, I think, one thing that's important is, and we experience it um, at our university, is that I, for one, need to find my own space before understanding or interacting with anyone else. So um, I need to find common ground with course material mm. first before mm. I interact. So I think mm. that the possibility of um, you interacting with someone ought still mm. exist. Mm. But I think that I think that uh, uh, things like consultation, you mm. know, academic consultation, those mm. things should still exist. Mm. Um, but I think it's really, really dangerous for us to assume that um, to, to make the comparative between traditional mm. and online because the criteria specifically favors traditional universities. Mm. The criteria was the other way around and favored tech-based education. Mm. Tech-based online universities mm. would play significantly higher than, uh, than, than, than online, than, than mm. traditional types of education. I think that that's also a little bit unfair mm. because the expectation then is for online universities to mm. do the same thing that traditional universities are Which doing. And that's incredibly unfair, you know. That is so they have powerful. their own Type yeah. of criteria. Yeah. 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 Actually, actually, I think we never think about criteria. We never think about output. Um, for us, it's always, you know, sort of judging students against the same standard. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's a problem that's far deeper 
then how we're accessing our education yeah. and the problem could be that our education isn't even tailored to 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 our to our needs do we want a world without physical universities now absolutely not and i don't think we should ever imagine a world where that happens because the one crucial concession we can actually make is that it is indeed true that universities are more than just like laboratories and lecture halls they are marketplaces of ideas but the one thing we should not do also is just romanticize the idea that the best outcomes for students will emerge from students being at university 24/7 yeah, yeah. Mm. i think a lot of students especially in the last couple of years and it's a generational shift i think where people want to become mobile and want to interact with education systems in a way that is adept to their own desires. Mm. I know a lot of people that want to start young micro enterprises, they want to do things on the sides, but mm. unfortunately the imperatives of being on campus every single time yeah, do not allow you know, them to do that. Mm. And that's where support services I think for universities come in, mm. where you need to have things like I see most universities in North America doing things like the mindful mindfulness societies and centers where they actually teach students how to have wholesome lives where the prioritization is not just about being on mm. campus every day, but it's about recognizing that you can still engage with students on campus, but do other things as well. Mm. And that's, I think that's the condition, the necessary condition for things like digitizing education, mm. not so much also about yeah. um, scaling it up because of inequality, although that just was our headline. Opening up case. someone's schedule, yeah. yes. for God's sake. Yeah. What if they want to check Also, yeah, yeah. Like, also, we needed to also maybe interrogate or need to interrogate the type of competitive space that physical interaction creates and yes. you know yes. me having to compete with Neo and Achisang and yes. Dino every single day and the fact that Neo does better than me but you know when you have it when you're in an online setting yeah. the only person that you're literally competing with is yourself, is yourself. Mm. and in terms of mental health and mm. what physical mm. interaction also does mm. because if we're willing to accept that there's a good that comes from physical interaction. Mm. We should be willing to accept there's an inherent bad mm. that comes from physical interaction mm. as well. And that type of competition setting, you know, suicide mm. rates are going is exorbitant. How students commit suicide because they are unable to tell people at home mm. that, hey, I failed a module, but also mm. the stigma that comes from the physical setting mm. of a university and the fact mm. that I just can't deal. Mm. So what I remember was speaking about self-determined mm. education. It would be tailored, mm. you know, and I think that ideal is something that we ought to consider when understanding these ills that exist mm. because of that. Yeah. Sure. Akhisang, I want you to respond, but I also just want you to take into account um, another question that I have for opposition. And I think mm -hmm. the final question that I have for opposition you know, you analyze the student a lot. Everyone in this debate really gave, you know, merits. And I think, you know, correctly so. But what does opposition think at a broader level in terms of the university? What are the potential merits for university remaining traditional and the potential detriments? Um, so, yeah, as you respond, just keep that in mm -hmm. mind. Um, so I think that also ties in because I think what we ought to be very careful of in this like sort of aggressive transition is what sort of, uh, it was mentioned, what sort of pedagogy we want to put through because a lot of, a lot of our perception of online schooling is somewhat warped when it really mm. does carry the same sort of traditionalist mm. stuff. You're listening to lectures at home. You're reading books and lecture slides at home. So mm -hmm. in our investigation of how an online setting for an ed or online setting for tertiary education can work, we ought to also adjust that, like the sort of pedagogical means and 
the philosophies in which we actually teach people and not just, you know, put a lot of the stuff that we already do on a tablet. And I think that sort of transitioning can, uh, tra transitioning ought to still happen within a traditional university while also still maintaining a lot of the very important merits and important roots of what traditional universities can do. A lot of the greatest social movements of our time are birthed from students mm. in a university fed up with the status quo. And I think we ought to continuously have that space where a group of young intellectuals are shaping their future mm. and we can't let online education completely take that opportunity mm. away. Dino? I also think like in addition to that, um, what um, um, they speak about is the idea about how education itself is a paradigm that is often reshaping itself. Like our perception and version of what a campus is, has is not what a campus has always been. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And Neo gives a very beautiful example about how a campus um, education system can still try to mitigate the worst effects of learning on campus and depression and about mm -hmm. having a life beyond education. Mm -hmm. So I think the beautiful thing about such spaces is it's got people like Neo and Webster and people in this room that can try to lead these conversations about policies that universities mm -hmm. can change that can allow students not to be as competitive. Some in-class um, um, interactive learning in the United States does not allow for people to, or even in the United Kingdom, for people to be graded against other students. So it's you interacting with the exam so you don't have to be depressed by being comparative with the students around yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can try to encourage those things on campus, we can mitigate some of these harms. Mm -hmm. If you can try to shorten um, lecture hours, we can mm -hmm. mitigate some of these harms. Mm -hmm. If you can have people read some things online and then mm. come to school for just discussions, probably mm. one lecture a week mm. could also mitigate some of these harms. Mm. So university is not something that is set in stone. It's something that can undergo metamorphosis to encourage like a more meaningful sort of education for mm. African citizens and mm. citizens in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you have the last word on this. Okay, well, I think the question is really about how uh, campus spaces exist mm. and how they kind of form interactions and enhance learning uh, versus this idea of potentially like more accessibility, mm. more flexibility. Um, and realistically somewhere, I mean, I think there's a movement towards it, incorporating mm. hybridized systems mm. basically that yeah, would yeah. allow more access um, in specific times, uh, allow materials that are different, but also still keeping those campus um, structures and sort of the interactions and network that you can get from mm. from people because mm. those are spaces that are really important in terms mm. of creating um, ideas and in terms of even new business mm. uh, initiatives that mm. can come from campus mm. um, into startups. Mm. So I think both things are can simultaneously be true. And so mm. the question is kind of what elements do we take mm. from traditional models and what elements do we take from the newer startups mm. so that we can match can both gain value from a university space but also mm. match the needs of a changing economy. Mm. You know, um, I was actually just thinking about a personal experience. Dream freeze must fall. A few friends and I were just expressing how much ground could have been covered if we had access to the course content online. Mm. And that led us to have an even more powerful reflection mm. about how online content could create greater access for the poorest of the poor if they didn't have to come a to A couple school, of universities example. did yeah, do that yeah. actually during Fizos Fall. Yeah. So, you know, I've only personally thought about it as an aid. And I think what this debate has done is it stretched me to wonder if it could be more, if it could be completely digitized, tailored, self-determined education system. And whichever way, um, you know, you listening to us, you know, believe we should go, recasting the traditional 
conception of the role of the university and its academic practices will take time. You know, physical classrooms, lecturers' offices, student residences are all an integral part of the university's infrastructure today. And the investment into the appropriate technology to take us into the future will obviously come at a cost. When when there's a cost, we have to do a way-up. And when we do way-ups, necessarily something has to lose for us to gain. But also, it's a fact that traditional and and distance-based learning has always been regarded as second-rate. This view persists. We, we all know this view. And if, you know, you're studying at a UNISA, for example, you've, you've personally, you've probably heard it being, uh, you know, leveled against you personally. So a major challenge for higher education, you know, is to also, it's not only make online education accessible to kind of figure out how it combines with the infrastructure we have today to make education better for young people, but it's also to think about how does it become more relevant? How does it become more interesting, more engaging, and more exciting than what a traditional classroom could ever be so that we transform this second rate, you know, program into, into something that's first rate, into something that is desirable. Um, I think these are some of the issues that we need to overcome to begin to even have a meaningful debate about online education. Thank yes, you to yeah. all the debaters and to Ansuya. And you're listening. We'd love to hear what you think, what has worked for you. If you've had an experience where you've done a course completely online, did you think that was a good experience? That was The Interchange, Episode 9. Thank you for listening. This was another thought-provoking debate made possible by APSA and Simu. Amplifying the voices of young people. You decide for yourself. Do traditional universities have a place in the future? As more and more people opt for online learning, can these universities compete? The Interchange. Seeing Africa through a youthful lens.